everybody. This is Hater Radio, a college football podcast, and I am your host, Chris McLean. I'm here with my one and only Ian Gibson as the co-host. Ian, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Hey, so what we do is we have a college football podcast here that we talk about all of the major college football teams, games, uh, the Heisman standings, the uh, the CFP. Um, we do a uh, recap of the games that happened previously in the week before, and then we'll look ahead to the games that are coming up. We do that in uh, two different segments, and then in the middle, we'll talk about the Heisman hopefuls and the potential CFP teams. So with that being said, let's do our socials real quick before we break into the show. Um, you can reach us at haterradio.com for all of our articles. We are potentially going to have one on the Florida Georgia preview this week. Um, also, uh, you can reach us at hater underscore radio for both Insta and Twitter. And also haterradio1 at gmail.com for email. And then, Ian, what are your socials? Yeah, uh, Instagram is uh, g double underscore uh, gator double underscore g. And Instagram is ggatorg. Nice. Okay, so that's who we are. This is the show. So we start off with the recap of week eight, which was a very interesting week. But a lot of the teams that we follow were not playing. For instance, uh, USF. Florida Gators, Florida State were not playing games. They were on bye weeks. Also, USC, I believe, was on a bye as well. So all these teams that normally we talk about a lot about um, weren't in action. So it was kind of nice because both me and Ian are really huge Florida fans, and it's nice not to have to see that defense play another Saturday, which has been giving us fits and uh, – making us drink a lot more than we would normally. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, no, so we didn't have to watch that miserable action, um, but there were some good games. Um, and so let's start it off with the first one in mind, which is, you know, this wasn't a good game, but honestly, it was a good showing of where this team is at because – the defense they played against was actually quite well. It's a, it's a decent defense, one of the better statistically in the country. Um, so I, Iowa State or Iowa went up against Ohio State in Columbus. Um, Ohio State ends up winning fifty four to ten, but um, there were a couple of plays by Iowa that like made it interesting. The halftime score, I believe, was nineteen ten, and you know it was just. I don't know, like Ohio State just couldn't punch in for touchdowns. They were just settling for field goals, which led yourself to believe that it was really Iowa, you know, keeping them in the game and also uh, their defense because their offense is terrible. I mean, I have never seen a more putrid offense than Iowa's offense. It is probably, I mean, literally one of the worst in the last 40 years, like since 1990. And it's it's hard to watch. I mean, I don't really want to watch something like that. I feel bad for their fans that have to like suffer through that every week. God, God bless them. Unless they're like, a fan of an all American punter. Yeah, I know that guy's good, but I'm talking about like, you know, when you're half the game is spent, you know, like you don't even want like it's like it's like Florida's defense. Like we're 
we're obviously like not fans of that right now. And it's, it's pretty much the same thing. It's like as horrible as Iowa's offense is, is probably as bad as Florida's defense is. And, um, but regardless, CJ Stroud looks great again. I mean, he's, I think he's leading the country in touchdown passes and, um, he's, throwing up huge stats and looking like the Heisman front runner pretty much more better than everyone else. And, um, you know, they put up huge numbers in the second half and went on to roll in that game. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I think right now this is the best team in the country. Defensively, they're very strong. They had like six turnovers caused in that game, which is huge, especially when you're like, trying to beat teams like Georgia and Alabama and, you know, whoever else is going to be in the playoff this year, because it's obviously going to be different teams than usually it's going to be, there's probably going to be one or two teams that are different than have been the last several years of playoff teams. So, um, but uh, I think Ohio state's the best team by far. I think they've the most complete team out of everyone there, like Georgia offensively suspect in some issues, um, Defense is strong, stronger than their offense. Alabama has some issues on defense. Tennessee has defensive issues. Um, I guess really it's Ohio State that looks the most like someone that could be the front runner, I think, right now. But what what are your opinions on this game, Ian? No, I, I agree with you, especially because Iowa's defense was definitely one of the top in the uh, country. And C.J. Stroud and that offense did a very fantastic job just cutting him up. Um, kind of showed that when you have that kind of bear down team, they knew, you know, running the ball against Iowa isn't smart. So do what C.J. Stroud does best, and that's have him throw it around the yard. Um, and, you know, just, you know, those streak plays, Ohio State knew they had the better athletes, so just take advantage of it when they did. Um, it was one of those kind of displays on offense um, when they show um, kind of the skill difference, and that's what it come came down to. For me, the only chance Iowa had was to find a way to bog down the offense, but they never could, um, and especially with how anemic their um, Iowa's offense was as well. But I agree that Ohio State, I had them ranked the top, the top team in the nation, and honestly, they've been – I've been kind of flipping them back between one and two uh, most of the year. Um, but for me, they are – I agree. Uh, they are the most complete team. Uh, very solid defensively um, and offensively um, have um, an embarrassment of riches. Uh, they are indeed the – I believe the best best team in the Big Ten. The only thing they have to do is win out, and they will be yeah. back in the playoff. <clears throat> I think so. There's a scenario where if Michigan beats them, um, and then Michigan ends up winning the Big Ten championship because they would go because they would beat Ohio State. What is your opinion of that? Is is Michigan rightfully going, or is Ohio State? would go even though they lost to Michigan? Or do you think – because I know it's, it's technically be the one loss, but, like, I think everyone would kind of agree that Ohio State would be a better team even though they 
because you'd have to only pick one in that scenario. Like you can, yeah, you can't pick I, both. It, it just shows. Like, God, I really hope they expand soon because this whole thing with the four seed seeded thing it doesn't work when you have power five. Yeah, because um, I agree that yeah, it if Ohio State were to lose to Michigan, or even if Michigan lost to Ohio State, and say you, I think they're going to twelve. That's not going to like, you know, they can fall back to maybe like nine, 10 or something like that, unless it's a complete pantsing. Um, but I would say probably that it depends on what goes on in the other conferences. Say yeah. USC is undefeated, say, say Clemson wins out. Yeah. Um, what are you going to do if, say, Tennessee runs the table or say Tennessee beats Georgia, then they slip up? And it's like Tennessee versus Bama. Who are you going to put in? Because there's going to be a two-loss team. I guess you would take the SEC championship champion there. Um, this is the problem with the 14 playoff. I always said that. Um, and I, I would, think I think I this year. Though, no, but I, I, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But I just wanted to say this: that this year, more than any other year, I think will be the biggest problem because most of these teams are going to perform well and going to have really good records. Like, you know, Tennessee is not going to lose to Kentucky. I don't see that. There's no way in hell that's happening. So really their only other team they're playing is Georgia. And so even if they lose to Georgia, they still would have an outside chance of getting in because they don't have to play Bama again in the SEC championship. So that with one loss, they still have a shot. And then it's like, you have if technically so if if Georgia or Tennessee whatever they flip flop whoever wins that um, depending on whoever wins Bama and say like that team loses to Bama, Bama then, then there's three teams with one loss in the SEC and how do you deny three one loss SEC teams from getting in the playoff you'd have to deny someone and what then is the other thing is huh. then. Because oh, they suck for everybody else, though. I literally just thought about that. What? I just popped in my mind. If Bama, this is like worst case scenario for the country. Because I think if whoever wins the Big Ten, if I mean, if it's Ohio State or Michigan, if they go undefeated and they stay undefeated, they're in. Yeah, guaranteed. Like the worst case scenario Georgia beats Tennessee. Yeah. Georgia loses to Bama and you got your 3 1 losses. Yeah. They might put all of them in. Yeah, and I'm being dead. They would, man, people would because, people people would riot. Oh they yeah, would be so and, I, pissed. and this is where it would get worse. Say Clemson goes undefeated, wins, yeah, the but doesn't have as many quality wins. Same with <laughs> USC. Say USC goes undefeated, but doesn't have as many quality wins. Well, USC. Remember, USC already has that loss to Utah. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So oh boy. So it, yeah. yeah. So but but then you have TCU as well. So if yeah. TCU goes undefeated, but I think, and I think, but I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying this, that they're respecting the Big 12 more so this year than probably any other year because there's so many good teams. Like you got Oklahoma State, you got TCU, you got uh, Kansas State that's been solid, you know, um, even like Baylor is a, still a really good team, and Iowa State, good teams. They just have a lot of losses. And then like uh, Kansas has been sneaking up there. And then Texas is good. Texas has a lot of losses now. And then um, 
who else is really good? Oklahoma is t- like not a terrible team. You know, with Dylan Gabriel, they're not bad. I mean, I would say they probably have right now the best like one through seven out of any conference in the country. I would say hands down. Like it's and it's not even close. Like everyone else is kind of like once you get past like four or five in the SEC, it's kind of like eh, you know. But like everywhere else doesn't have the quality that the big 12 has this year. But yeah, like you're saying, like TCU, they go undefeated. Are they, are they knocked out? I don't think you can do that to them considering how well they've been playing. And like, you know, their offense is fun. Like, I mean, we'll talk about the, their game when they played Kansas state or in a little bit, but they look- might have like, <laughs> we might have like three teams claiming national championships. Just, yeah. just like the old days. That it could be crazy this year. And like you said, I hope they really, move this up and this might be what happens because people are going to be so outraged if a lot of teams didn't get a shot at it because they were like, Oh, we only need four teams. Well, you probably should have oh. thought of this beforehand when they, did- I always said that. I remember, I vividly remember when they said, Hey, we're getting rid of the BCS and we're going to a playoff. And I went good. Great. So like eight teams, you know, you get your power fives and maybe three wild cards. And then I saw it and it was like, no, four teams. I was like, that doesn't yeah. make any sense because you have power five. And I, and first time I saw that and I called it, I said, there is no chance a group of five team could get in. And although Cincinnati got in, it, it, it had to have a lot of help. Yeah. I mean, last year was like a extreme down year for like everyone. Like, I mean, like Michigan got in and Michigan was terrible. Like Michigan should not have been in. And like Clemson was down last really year. Only two teams. It was only Bama and Georgia last yeah, year. Really like that, that. And, you know, and like, I don't know. It That was an odd year. Last year was definitely like an, an outlier. The rest of the years, usually the top four teams have made the playoffs and it's been you know, somewhat decent. Some games have been okay. There've been some blowouts, but I would say it's worked out. I, the reason why I like that if we move to a 12 team playoff is because the one thing I love the most, and then I'm really excited. They're probably going to implement it is the home playoff games games. that like, I, there will be no environment like a home playoff game at the swamp. Like I just can't even imagine like that first home playoff game in the swamp will be, it'll be the most electric event you've ever seen. It'll be crazy. The environment will be like, because it's going to be cold too. Cause usually Gainesville gets pretty cold around December. Uh-huh. And so like, it's going to be know, interesting. Yeah. All those, you know, like Tuscaloosa, you know, Knoxville, those places, Columbus. Yeah. So all those places, it's going to be great. And I do like the way they're saying it's going to be the best, you know, ranked champ conference champions. And then I think they're going to go based on the best teams after that. And I was like, that's the way you should do it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be, this is the most equitable they've been towards bringing teams in. So now, you know, like Coastal Carolina, when it was, what was it, two years ago when they had that chance to yeah. like potentially get in the playoff? Now they actually will get in, which is so exciting because like now all these like smaller market, smaller college teams that like never seemed like they had a chance. Now they're actually going to be able to play Bama. They're going to play, you know, the bigger schools, Clemson. They're going to get the, they're going to get their chance. And it's like, 
They may not win, but at least now we can decide on the field if they actually deserve to be there or not and not just go, oh, well, it's hypothetical. We'll never know, you know, so let's move on. Um, but that was, yeah, I love all that. And yeah. we'll talk about that more for sure. But uh, uh, Syracuse Clemson, we were talking about it earlier before we went on air. Um, interesting game. Just Syracuse had a bunch of uh, um uh timely turnovers that they caused by Clemson and it looked like it was going to be one of those days where you know Clemson just shits the bed and gets beat you know they had they had four turnovers which is a lot for them and um seemingly everything was going against them and then um Dabo pulls you know, a rabbit out of his hat and decides to bench DJ. He benches Ugalele and he brings in the backup, um, Cabe Klubnik. And uh, Cade only threw four passes, but it was really Will Shipley. I mean, and yeah. uh, Phil Maffa. Both those guys are really good running backs. Shipley is a beast man he's been putting up huge numbers and he went over 172 for this game in two tds so he's definitely a stud and he's just solid like he gets positive yards like every time he touches the ball and he does break off big runs as well um they just i i didn't see the controversy did you actually see what happened the, I, I saw a lot on twitter saying something about uh the refs like putting it in favor for the, uh, for Clemson at certain places. Did you see anything that was like notable, like I mean, officiating wise? I, I didn't, to be honest. Um, you, I'm sure there was probably a call here or there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like I said, and that goes back to the Florida versus LSU with that call. I said, usually you're going to blame anybody, blame yourself. Yeah. You, know, I, you know, there's only so much you could do because, uh, what I'll say about this game is that Clemson's defense showed up in the second half. I think they fell asleep oh, yeah. in the first half. But that second half, they were on lockdown, and they yeah. showed – they really forced Syracuse's hand because I think well, – I mentioned this, Syracuse is best when it's a kind of a – they're definitely a running team, but when you have the threat of passing as well, mm. that, that is a completely different thing. But the secondary played lockdown. They forced them to only run it. Um, and by the time Clemson took the lead, they were forced to throw, but they were having no success all day. And I yeah. agree, Will Shipley, um, he seriously just carried that team to the win. And that you, um, you go lately, it was definitely a regressive game. He, he was making very bad decisions and he was very inaccurate. It's, it's one of those things where like you don't know which one you're going to get. So yeah. it, it's, you know, can be very frustrating. Um, you know, speaking from experience as a Gator fan. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, that was clearly his problems was, you know, he wasn't as accurate in his decision-making, wasn't as good as it needed to be. Uh, but luckily they had Will Shipley to seriously bail them out. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, they this was a huge game. You know, Syracuse was undefeated at that point and was ranked – um, I can't remember what they were ranked before the game, but they're ranked 16th now. But, you know, obviously, a huge, yeah, something like that. And Just they were, I mean, I wouldn't drop them. No, they, because they played but... well enough to win. They were right there. And, um, you know, it's, 
it's interesting what to what will happen going forward because Klubnik obviously didn't do a ton. It's not like he, you know, threw for a hundred yards off like seven of ten passing. He only completed two passes. So it's like it's still potentially that Ugalili could come back. They just benched him for the game, which sometimes happens. I mean, we know that as Gator fans. Like, you know, Danny Warfel got benched, and he was oh, yeah. a Heisman Trophy winner. Like, sometimes that just happens. You just need to get benched, and sometimes you'll come back the next game, and you'll be fine. It won't be that big of a deal. Um, I just reminded of one of Steve Spurrier's best quotes. Like, Warfel threw another interception one game, and he said, hey, coach, that's my bad. And he goes, no, Danny, it's my bad. It's my bad for thinking you can make that pass. Yeah. <laughs> I know. He was. He really is the greatest of all time. Like, he <laughs> is because he's super quotable and super, like, confident in who he was and super, like, charismatic as well. Like, I just – I always love Spurrier. And he's the main reason why I love college football as much as I do. He's he's just the greatest. Uh, yeah, Um but uh, Clemson survives, and they've got a chance at winning this out because the rest of their schedule isn't too crazy difficult. Um, well, Notre Dame will be a tough game coming up uh, uh, next week. Um, Louisville game, not so much. Louisville's kind of falling off. Miami's terrible. And actually now the game that looks like the hardest on their schedule is the South Carolina game, which, you know, as of – you know, like two weeks ago, seemed like it would be an easy win, but now South Carolina has risen from the dead. Um, so let's move on. Uh, interesting game. This one was back and forth. I, I wish I could have watched more of this. I can't remember what I ended up watching. I was watching more of the Ole Miss LSU game, um, but I was wa- watching this a little bit as well. Uh, Texas, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State wins 41 34. Um, just a, you know, this is like one of those big 12 games. It's just back and forth. You know, it's almost like who has the ball last will be the winner, basically, type thing. And none of that. All, yeah. yeah te- Texas had the ball last and they just threw a pick at the end, but they were, they were driving and had an opportunity. You know, there was a lot of, um, uh, from Texas, a lot of, uh, passes to the running backs, um, out the backfield or just like wheel routes and stuff. And like, it was interesting. They were they were abusing Oklahoma State, and they had the lead, and it seemed like, you know, they were going to probably, you know, not run away with it, but probably just, you know, handle this a little bit. And then it just – their offense stalled, and Oklahoma State just took over and then just really put it into overdrive in the fourth quarter and put up 14 to, to cement it. Um, what did you see that stood out from this game, Ian? Well, one of two things happened um, in that I was towards the end of that game is that Oklahoma State controlled the ball most of the fourth quarter. I the all their scoring drives, Oklahoma State did not give Texas a lot of time to stay on the field to answer back, which was key into you know them winning the game because of course last time we had the ball, you know you got to rush uh, plays and all that. The other thing was, it was that kind of thing where in the fourth quarter, I could totally see, especially through Texas's defense and the play calling of the offense, was Texas was playing not to lose. They were up by um, 10 by a touchdown in the going into the fourth quarter, and they were just, you know, playing not to lose um, instead of going for the win. 
So that ultimately cost them because their play calling got very one dimensional. Uh, and again, when you're playing keep away as Oklahoma State was, you need to like put the gas on, and they just didn't. So Oklahoma State, again, this shows why I think they are, you know, even though they lost to TCU, I still think they are the most complete team in the Big 12. Because um, they were down by multiple scores, like, a bunch of times this game. And they found a way to just would not go away. So they kept, you know, kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing. Um, and so ultimately they were awarded in the fourth quarter. I think that was the thing, too, is that, the defense just got worn out because they were on the field for so long in the fourth quarter. And it just became that much easier to break the tackles or find the holes for, uh, okay. State. um, it good win for Oklahoma state. This is another tough one for Texas because it's another one that they had in their hands and they just couldn't close the deal. I think that is going to be kind of the epitome of the season for Texas is not finding a way to close these games out because you know all, honestly they all their losses have been by one score Bama was by one point Tech was by I believe a field goal and this one was by a touchdown where they had the lead going into the fourth quarter yeah and I I, I mean at this point I'm not writing off Texas because I think they'll still have probably a strong finish at the end of the year but the the team to watch from this is obviously Oklahoma State because they're the team that more than likely, if they perform as well as they are, will get to the Big 12 championship game and have a shot against TCU. Um, will they get into the playoff with one loss and beating, avenging their loss against TCU? I don't think so. But it's possible, depending on what happens um, as the season plays out. Oklahoma State has Kansas State. Kansas, Iowa State, Oklahoma, and West Virginia. I definitely think the Kansas State game is the toughest game they have left. But that Oklahoma game could be tricky depending on if Dylan Gabriel plays. So um, I think they can they can win out. Um, and I would like to see it because I'd like to see the rematch of Oklahoma State-TCU because that was a really good game. And, uh, you know, it would – it would be good for the Big 12 to have a matchup like that, considering they don't want Texas and Oklahoma anywhere near those games because, you know, they're, they, they le- they're leaving to go to the SEC. So yeah. they don't want them anywhere near the championship game anymore. So let's move on. Um, this game, man, I don't know how this game ended up the way it did. I know LSU is obviously performing very well now the last two weeks after getting boat raced by Tennessee, but LSU wins 45, 20 against Ole Miss, just dominant fashion. Like it, it was like Ole Miss was up and it looked like they were going to just continue to just stream through the defense and just score at will. But then LSU just took over. And like, I mean, it was close into the third quarter. And then in the fourth, they just dominated. And it was like, you know, it, it was it was more probably Ole Miss's will fell apart and they just like gave up than like you know LSU was like dominating for the whole game because they were with them a lot, but it was like it seemed like Ole Miss just like gave up and it was like pretty, pretty much over from fourth quarter on. Like and, I would say by halftime because yeah, 
Buffalo, I think Ole Miss forgot that you need to play. This isn't basketball. There isn't two quarters. You got to play four. Yeah. Jeez, LSU had 500 yards. I mean, I know Ole Miss's defense is not that great. I know that. Like, that's that's a given. We all know that. And, but, I, and the other thing is, too, is I was going to say, I do, I do know why LSU won and how but, they just ran away with it. They were playing keep away. That's yeah. exactly what they did. They they knew because Ole Miss's offense actually did pretty good. I think they had over 400 yards. Um, yeah, 404. Yeah. So 400, they had over 400 yards. They had a bunch of first downs and that. But I remember at the end of the game, you know, they showed the time of possession stats. LSU almost had the ball for 40 minutes. And yeah. that's what, again, it, I mean, when you're playing keep away, you don't have as much time to respond when, you know, LSU scores, you go three and out and all that. But I, that was the other thing that I saw at Ole Miss. It's like they just didn't show up after halftime. It just, I mean, it was, uh, it, LSU scored and it was 24-20 um, going into the fourth. And I'm just waiting every time Ole Miss got the ball, like, come on, you, you, you've you got to respond. You can't let them keep scoring. And it, it was well beyond too late for them to respond. Well, what's crazy is now LSU is 6-2, and two, and I'm almost positive they're on top of the um, SEC standings um, in the West. Well, both lost to Bama or Tennessee. <clears throat> Who so Ole Miss? I think, I think that's what's going oh, on. Uh, yeah, this, this, yeah so there's a shared shared loss. So they they both have four wins. So they're like tied, tied for the top right now. Yeah. So I think that's what I think. Yeah, it's going to come down to the Bama again. Uh, yeah, Bama, Bama LSU game, which I think everyone's surprised because. You know, they expected LSU to have, like, probably four or five losses minimum this year, which, you know, I'm not essentially ruling out because they still have to – they still have to play Arkansas. They still have to play A&M. Like, they could still lose – Yeah, like, they could lose two of those at least – you know, it's not like those are guarantees. Like Arkansas is not a bad team. Like they're a team. They beat BYU. They beat Cincinnati. Like they're capable of beating quality teams. It's just they kind of, you know, you get in the buzzsaw of the SEC West, you're going to lose games unless you're Bama, which doesn't lose SEC West games. Yeah. Uh, okay. So moving on, um, UCLA, Oregon. I am completely surprised by this. I would have thought UCLA would have put up a better fight, but Oregon really had a huge second quarter scoring 28 points. And it was pretty much over from that. And largely to do with that onside kick, which the onside kick really like moved the needle as far as like changing possession and like, you know, Scott Frost punched in the air right now when he saw that. That's what I said. Yeah. So Oregon wins 45 30 and um, it's not over for UCLA. They can still get to the uh, the Pac-12 championship, which is possibly there, but it's now their playoff hopes are pretty much all but eliminated. Um, but now it's you have three teams at the top. You have UCLA at six and one, Oregon at six and one, and USC at six and one. So three quality teams, only two will get into the 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 Pac-12 championship. It really sets itself up because UCLA plays USC. Whoever wins uh, that is 
probably well you also Utah. Well, Utah has the one Pac-12 loss. It they're potentially there as well, but I think Utah what was I saying? Yeah, I know Utah plays Oregon. Their one loss was to UCLA. UCLA, yeah. Well, what's weird is because then, like, okay, so UCLA lost to Oregon, and Utah lost to UCLA, and then USC lost to Utah. Utah. And then if, like, I think the only, like, if, if USC loses to UCLA, that would eliminate USC. Then you would have, like, a really weird, like, Round robin between breaker. those three teams, and like, how do you decide? <laughs> I don't know there must be a tiebreaker so, somewhere. There's a tiebreaker scenario. Yeah, it, it's got to be like probably. I don't know. They used, you know, what they used to do was BCS. They used to do yeah, BCS rankings for certain conferences. I don't know what they do now. Maybe it's playoff rankings. I don't know. Um, it's determined. It's all the the conferences set that up well in advance. Um, but either way, it was an interesting game just because I thought that UCLA was going to like put up a lot more points. I was surprised it was only thirty. They just struggled at times. Um, couldn't really do the normal uh, offense that they had, even though Charbonneau had. Uh, 151 yards and a touchdown. He wasn't terrible, and DTR was not not amazing, but he just was. He had an interception that did did hurt big time, and Jake Bobo had a solid game again. So the the three guys had good games. It's just I just Oregon think Oregon, yeah, I just think Oregon's better right now, and you know the the thing that I'm immensely surprised by is Bo Nix, like. Yeah, he had the game of his life. Yeah, five TDs, no picks. Like, you know, for a guy that was known to throw interceptions and, you know, just be a turnover machine, he really, you know, uh, he played an amazing game and was the difference in this game, you know, because, you know, UCLA had 448 total yards. It wasn't like they weren't there. It's just, you know, Bo Nix was just better. And, um Anything that stands out from this game for you? I, I would say it would definitely be UCLA. They played good, but it wasn't good enough to beat a team like Oregon. That's what I I took from this game is that they they didn't. I don't think anybody on UCLA played bad. It's just Oregon made the better plays, kind of similar with what TCU does. Oregon made the bigger plays um, and was just able to run away with it. They were up. I believe it was 31 to 13. I'll give you know UCLA credit. They didn't go down without a fight. They definitely tried to claw their way back. But Oregon was the better team. Um, they played better. And yeah, Bonex having the game of his life really propelled the Ducks to the biggest win of Oregon season by far. Okay, moving on. Um, this is one for, for you, Ian. Uh, BYU Liberty. Uh, Liberty wins 41-14 and just destroyed BYU. It wasn't even close. Um, you know, uh, the guy, uh, the quarterback for Liberty, Bennett, played a really good game. You know, only had five incompletions and one interception, but he was through for 247 and two TDs. 
And then the the real star was the running back Day Day Hunter, mm-hmm. 213 rushing yards. That's crazy. And um, you know, they God, they outgained BYU almost doubling their their output. Or they did double their output. Yeah, they had 547 total yards to BYU's 258, which is just ridiculous. 300 total rushing yards, just a like you know, you always say the time of possession. They had 39 minutes to 20 minutes for BYU, just crazy. Um, what did you like from the Flames in this game? Uh, I, I when I was watching this one, it was the again. I love it when I see a team just like completely dominate on both sides of the ball, and that was this game. Um, Liberty just kept BYU on edge, their defense on edge, because it was either the running um, or of, you know, Day-Day Hunter or Jonathan Bennett was incredibly accurate. Uh, It was like, I don't know what his completion percentage was, but it was really good. It was like 24 for 20 or something something like like that. 80% almost. Yeah. um, Yeah. When you have that combination, you're not stopping anybody. And again, um, like you mentioned, um, Liberty had the ball all game. And they weren't, you know, again, played keep away because BYU does have talent, but they definitely were making a job of it, not giving it to them. Um, Each scoring drive was like five minutes, six minutes, uh, four minutes, seven minutes. It was every time they scored, Liberty made sure to just kill as much clock as possible. Um, So very, very good win uh, for Liberty. Um, they're definitely, uh, what was that seven? Yeah. So they're bowl eligible now. Um, they, I know it's Arkansas and tech are the big ones. I think they play UConn too. Um, but those are like the next two left, but they're on their way to another bowl game and every bowl game they've been in has been a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. They got, uh, Arkansas, Virginia tech and, Connecticut and I, I they definitely should beat Connecticut and Virginia Tech because both of those are not very good teams but that Arkansas game should be very interesting I would I would definitely keep an eye on that uh that's going to be the not this week but next week okay moving on um this is a very boring game because yeah. you know Mississippi State only scored right at the very last second to prevent a shutout but uh, Mississippi State loses to Alabama 30-6. to six. Just domination. Will Rogers, you know, threw 60 passes, which more than likely means you're going to lose a game if you're throwing 60 passes. And, you know, with that many passes, you would think you'd have more yards than 231, but that's what he ended up with. And, you know, Bryce Young had a really solid game. Um, threw for 249 yards on uh, 21 of 35 and two TDs. Um, Jameer Gibbs didn't look great. He only had um, 37 yards, but he had a nice touchdown run. Um, you know, God, Alabama got held to 29 rushing yards. You don't see that very often. I mean, that's kind of like He's an actually, anomaly. I know the score does not tell the tale, but – both sides actually played pretty even. It's just Bama had more, better talent. And again, yeah. I still don't think Bryce Young is at 100%, but there was one time he they scored and he literally was like just running around in circles. Oh, yeah, and, I saw that play. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I believe it was um, uh, JoJo Earl was wide open in the end zone. And I'm just yeah. – you see that. I'm like, 
there's nothing you can do about that. That's just right on uh, activating God mode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what can you say? This is, this is a, a very, um, you know, basic Alabama win. Like there's nothing really like nothing stood out. Cause it wasn't close really ever. Alabama was in control the entire time and just ran away with it basically. Okay. So moving on, um, Minnesota, Penn state, I just, I've lost my interest in this Minnesota team because <clears throat> it just seems like, um, I don't know. Just something's missing. Uh, I know what's his face went down is not playing right now. Um, uh, is it Morgan Tanner? Is that his name? The quarterback for them? Yes. Yeah. Tanner wasn't in this game. I don't know if he was hurt or whatever. And his backup is just not good. You know, he's nine for 22. And obviously Penn State's defense is good. I'll I will say that. Um, and Ibrahim had a hundred yards, but <clears throat> this game was never close. You know, Penn State ran away with it. They, uh, you know, I don't know. It just it, it was never interesting to me. I didn't really pay attention to it when it was going on. I was kind of just, I don't know. I just, Big Ten football, I know you and I always talk about this. I'm not the biggest fan of. I'm really only it's Ohio State and the rest of them I don't care for because it's not, I don't know. I just don't respect them that much. And, like, I honestly, I would rather watch Big 12 teams. I'd rather watch some Pac-12 teams. And I'd rather watch some ACC teams than I would watch Big Ten. Big Ten is, like, the least, like, the least watchable conference out of all of them, like I, I'd have to say. Um, I don't know. What 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 stood out in this, this game for you? Uh, for me, it was that Sean Clifford had a rebound game, and it was his best game of the year. Um, he threw for over almost 300 yards, four touchdowns, um, and he was very accurate all game. The running attack was – they kind of passed it out, and then once it was in that, you know, position, they were able to, you know, it would be like, you know, second and three, third and one. They, you know, don't, don't be cute. Just, you know, run the ball, and they, you know – Penn State did that, and that was kind of a driving force throughout the game is that Minnesota's defense just couldn't get Penn State off the field. Um, easily by far Penn State's best offensive game, and I know Minnesota's defense has been bat- battered around, um, but it's a good win for Penn State and a good rebound game um, after the Michigan game. But um, it's, you know, there's still a long way to go for Penn State to really threaten the Big Ten because now it's out of their control. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Um, Kansas State TCU, definitely one of the more interesting games of the day as far as like closeness and just um, high scoring. Uh, I really like this game, um, especially watching the highlights. I just love the um, I love the speed on display for uh tcu like their wide receivers and miller their running back are just they're they're amazing like they're really really damn good and duggins is not a bad quarterback he's you know he's definitely um 
not like the greatest, but he's still solid and capable. I mean, Miller is a, an, an amazing back. Like he puts up yeah. huge yards and usually bro- like breaks a big one, like somewhere in at some point of every game. And I mean, those, the tight ends really good. Jared Wiley, you know, I really liked him. Um, just solid. I, I don't know how good their defense is and that might be their weakness. Um, they've been in shootouts in some games. So that's been kind of, you know, probably because of that, because the defense isn't as great, but their offense is so good that it like almost negates whatever weaknesses they have on defense. Um, so I don't know. I mean, they had the ball for 38 minutes, which is another one of those time of possession killers. And, um, just, you know, put up solid game. And um, I don't know. I, I'm i intrigued to see where this team goes. I know we talked about it earlier with these playoff teams. If they win out, they rightfully deserve to be in the playoff. And I would love to see them go up against a team like Georgia or uh, Tennessee or Ohio State. It would be very interesting. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Ian? Um, this is just TCU being, you know, working their magic again because they were down 28 to 10 going into the third quarter. Um, or actually, I think it was 28 to 17 at halftime. But I remember after halftime, they had, um, going into it, they had like a 10 play and I think it was over 90 yard drive with 20 seconds left when they scored. And I thought, okay, that's big because, you know, you can have like a, a 14 point swing. And then they went, you know, over 70 yards coming out of it um, in the halftime. And as soon as that happened, I was like, TCU's got all the momentum. And I was just waiting, like, they're going to get a big play here. They're going to get a big play. And then sure enough, Duggan, 55 or 60 yards Johnson. And it was like one of those, he caught it, stumbled, and then fell into the end zone. And I went, yep, yeah, that's, TCU's going to win this because they made, you know, there's their big play. They scored another touchdown for insurance in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, they just played lockdown on Kansas State. It is worth mentioning that Martinez was not in the game. Um, he, he got uh, knocked out. So that is definitely, you know, a crux of this is that K-State was not at 100%. And Martinez has been playing very well through the year uh, with him at under center. But ultimately, it just came down to, once again, TCU made the big plays um, and just would not go away. They kept fighting. Yeah, I mean, Martinez only played – he only had two passes. So that's – like not him not playing was a huge difference in why the game went the way it did. And they still played uh, amicably and, uh, you know, s- solid enough to win because they were up 28 to 10 at one point. But, uh, you know, it's – I I feel bad for them because it's like you want your like you want to be able to have your best shot against a team, especially a good team like TCU. You want to play them at full strength, but those are the breaks. Okay. Surprise. I didn't add this into my list of teams that we were going to talk about today, but uh I really wanted to talk about it. Um Texas AM, South Carolina. I want to hear your thoughts on it because I didn't get to watch the highlight clip. I'm actually watching it now as we're doing this. So give me your thoughts and then I'll just say my thoughts at the end of it. I mean, 
What ha- I mean, I'm beating a dead horse here when it comes to A&M. They're one in three in conference play, a game that should have been a layup. Not, no disrespect to South Carolina, but A&M has the better team. And they come out on the first play, they return a kick for a touchdown, and look, that's like a lucky break. I'm, I'm not – that's not – I can't really get on A&M. That's just South Carolina, you know, I, I think it was legit. He almost stepped out of bounds, but he didn't. A big momentum push, but I was like, okay, they score a touchdown on the opening kickoff. It's the first play of the game. You're, you know, settle down. You're fine. South Carolina goes on to score 10 more unanswered points, and it's 17-0 in the first quarter. And once again – the offense is just nowhere to be found. And it wasn't until it was way too late for AM to really start putting pressure and scoring. And uh, it was, again, frustrating. And I trust me, AM fans, I know how you feel. This is exactly what Florida went through last year. That, you know, this is a team that should be better and they're not playing like it. But Again, it's I'm, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse because it's another game where AM got in their own way. South Carolina, you know, was just coasting through the game. And when AM didn't make it close, I remember they, so they, it was like 24 21. You know, they scored a touchdown on um, going into the fourth quarter. And I remember, okay, it's, 24-21, you have an entire quarter to at least tie it and, and all that. And to AM's defense's credit, they held South Carolina's offense most of the quarter. But an eight-play drive, I think it was over 80 yards, was given up because they were just so exhausted because it was three and out, three and out, three and out. Their defense is tired, and then South Carolina took full advantage of that. And then... Once they scored, I mean, it, that was curtains. And it's just frustrating because AM should not be this bad. I don't know really what you do. I know, yes, I mean, it's a – what is it? It's like the mother of all buyouts pretty much for Jimbo Fisher. But yeah. it's, what do you – like, seriously, that's what I'm like. Every time I, I think about, like, AM, I'm like, what do you do? It, it's – because it's getting to the point where this was supposed to be the breakout year. You know, they've now lost yeah. three in a row. The odds still doesn't look good and it hasn't been consistent. And it comes back to where I'm thinking like, you know, you have all these top classes. How do you not find a quarterback? How do you not find offensive guys and put them in the right positions to have them win these games out? It's... That that's where I say that's not on the play. Like this game, more than anything, was on coaching more than just playing. Because A and M, the players played as good as they could, but the coaching was just nowhere near as it needed to be. And I don't know. It, it, is it, I'm, I'm sure A and M thinking and boosters are thinking the same thing. Is is it really worth the ninety million to the start fresh because I don't know where you go. Cause it's been the same story every season. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is they're, they're going to go up against Florida in two, in a week and a half. And 
I almost guarantee that AM is going to have their best game of the season against Florida. Just Florida can't be Jimbo Fisher. I mean, I mean, I get PTSD every time I hear Jimbo. Well, it's just, you know, it's, it's like, it's for whatever reason, teams will struggle at certain things. And then they come up, come up against Florida and it's like, all their ills are like, Oh, we're, we, you know, we're not a bad team anymore and we can do all this. And like, it, it's kind of amazing how, um, you know, the last, three years on defense have been probably the worst three year stretch in the history of Florida football, which I, you know, I never really ever thought about for the longest time because in the like 30 years that I've been a Florida Gator fan and watching, you know, mainly it's been offense that has been the driver, you know, except for maybe the mush champ years and the McElwain yeah. years, but like every other tenure was definitely concerned about offense. And so I never really put worried too much about defense. I was like, Oh, we'll, we'll outscore them. It's not that big of a deal. But then it's like, now it seems like, you know, it just seems like the defense is just so terrible that no matter how much offense we score and the year in 2020, when the offense was the best it ever was, like there was net, I don't, it was kind of, we were so spoiled in 2020 with how good that offense was. I don't think we all realized how good it was until the year was it's over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it was, it you never was amazing. How good it some, something is until it's gone. Yeah. And we were, you, and I think it was like, it was so frustrating because it was like, if the defense just played average, just had to be like, you know, 50th or 60th best defense in the country the the florida would have easily won the national championship that year because they were the best offense and no one was stopping them like kyle trask was a surgeon back there he was putting up numbers similar to joe burrow up until that point and he would have just it's just crazy it's just wild that it didn't end the way it should have but regardless i'm watching the highlights here and obviously south carolina you know uh put themselves into position to dude Jimbo with a late field goal. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I understand it because you, you give yourself like at least the onside kick to to maybe put your chance to win it. Oh, they got the onside kick too. Oh shit, I didn't even realize that. Holy well, that's fuck. what I said. It, I've always said this when it comes down to it. You're more likely I always say go for the touchdown, go for the most points. So when it's in that situation, I always say you're more likely to hit a long field goal than a Hail Mary. Yeah. So that's what I say is like you recover the onside kick, run a few plays, and then, you know, hope your kicker can nail, <laughs> you know, nail it. But you had to score a touchdown, you know, eventually. Yeah. Their, their Hail Mary attempt was terrible. Um, but I just I, I know that AM is gonna end up playing very well against Florida. And you know, the other thing though is South Carolina now with only two losses. But I think they're deceptive because I don't think they're as good as people like make them out to be. I don't know. I don't think they're like that. Like they had good plays on special teams and caused turnovers, and that was really the reason why they we're in position to go up 17, nothing. I don't, I don't think they're as good as their record shows. I think they'll end up 
losing quite a few more. I mean, they got to play. They'll beat Missouri and Vanderbilt, but then they play. They they got a gauntlet at the end of the year. They play Florida, Tennessee, and Clemson. Like that's that's a tough last three games. It's probably the toughest last three games anyone's gonna have in the country. Okay, let's move on. All right, so Heisman standings. Who do you got in your Heisman list, Ian? Yeah, mine pretty much. I I haven't changed much. It's um you know Charbonneau um of UCLA. I still think he had a great game. And Hendon Hooker, uh, Blake Corum, and Sam Hartman with, of course, uh, Bryce Young and uh, CJ Stroud. There was one you said before Sam Hartman. What was it? Uh, Blake Corum, uh, Michigan running back. Okay, Corum. Um, the only one that I have that's any different is just Caleb Williams. And also, dude, Drake May from North Carolina is putting up huge numbers. Yes. Like kind of ridiculous numbers that is kind of going unnoticed because North Carolina's lost a few games and their defense is terrible, but still interesting just to point out. Okay. Playoff teams. We got, um, I'm going to go with mine first. I have USC and Georgia outside of it. And then I have TCU, Alabama, Tennessee, and Ohio State. And those are the teams that I think will end up being there, not what I think currently. That's what I'm going with. Yeah, for, um, for me currently, for me currently, I have number one Ohio State, two Tennessee, three Georgia, four Michigan. I put Clemson at five and TCU at six. Okay. All right. So now we're gonna do the week nine uh, look ahead. So first game I got is Utah Washington State. Ian, who do you think is gonna win this game? Uh this one. I, I'm going to take, you know, Utah, the, the more complete team. I actually think Washington State will get this pretty closer. Um, these teams have been playing very even, but Utah's offense, I just think, is better, and Washington State's defense isn't as good to stop a Utah attack like that. So I'm going to take Utah. I'm going to go 33-20 to 20 for the Utes. Yeah, I mean, that's a score I like as well. I just like Utah. They're a very good team. You know, even though um, their tight end, Kuthi, went out, they still have Kincaid, and they've been able to move the ball. And, you know, their quarterback rising is very good, and he's uh, very capable. I'm going to say – I'm going to say, like, 32, like – let's say 22. Okay, Ohio State, Penn State. I'm going to go with this one first. I'm going to say Ohio State rolls. I don't think Penn State is in the same classes as Michigan and Ohio State. They're definitely not in the class of Michigan, but they're most definitely not in the class of Ohio State. So I'm going to say Ohio State wins. I'm going to say they win probably 42 to like seven. What do you got? I would say... I remember thinking this. If this game was at night and a whiteout, I think Penn State kind of hangs in there a bit, but it's an afternoon game, and Ohio State usually does pretty good at that time. So I'm going to take the Buckeyes winning this one. I think they run away with it. Their Penn State's defense has been a bit suspect at times, especially with an attack like this. So I'm going to take the Buckeyes. I'm going to go 42-24 Ohio State. Yeah, and just on – 
record, I want to say that uh, the whiteout is one of the most overrated things in all of sports. So uh, Notre Dame, Syracuse. Um, this game is actually much more interesting because Notre Dame is like kind of rebounded enough. They haven't really played a lot of strong teams, but still, this will be a good test for both of these teams. I I think because it's in the Carrier Dome, this favors Syracuse more just because it seems to be a real home field advantage for them. You know, it's very loud in there. It's, you know, it's um, it seems to be just somewhat more of an advantage than them playing on the road, even though they played well against Clemson. I'm going to go with Syracuse here. I'm going to say Syracuse. Uh, I'm going to say 27 to like uh, 17. What do you got, Ian? Uh, I'm very, I'm almost right there with you. I think Syracuse just grounds and pounds Notre Dame. Uh, they're, I don't think Notre Dame's defense can handle the right rushing of, uh, you know, Sean Tucker and Syracuse. So I think they play keep away a bit. And I think Syracuse wins this one 24 to 14. Okay, next one is TCU West Virginia. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, I think it's going to be you know another one of those um, shootouts. But again, I just think TCU makes the big play. Um, a couple big plays actually. I'll take TCU winning by I would say two scores. I'm going to go with a 35 to 23 win for the Horn Frogs. I think TCU blows them out. I'm going to say 42-24. I just – I like this TCU team. They're rolling right now. Their offense is clicking. I think it's going to continue. I know it's kind of uh, a long ways away. Texas to West Virginia is quite a bit of travel. But I think they still pull it off big time in this one. Okay. We're only going to talk about this real quick because – you know, I'm, I'm a USF fan and I'm a USF grad and a USF former employee. And Ian's also a USF uh, current student. So USF going up against Houston. Houston kind of like falling off the last couple of weeks. Um, had a, has had a tough season. People thought they were going to be a lot better than they have been. I'm going to say USF loses, uh, let's say, 20 to like 38. What do you got, Ian? Uh, I <laughs> USF just doesn't have it, and with Bohannon out for the year, that offense can only do so much. So I'm going to go with Houston, 38-17. Yeah. Okay. All right. This game would have been a bigger deal if Florida had beaten LSU, but here we are. Uh, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Florida, Georgia. We're gonna do a season preview or a, a, a game preview for you uh, in the next couple of days, and we'll have that for everybody. But Ian, what are your thoughts on this one? And then I'll give my thoughts. Yeah, this will kind of be a little uh, taste of the article. Um, I, I I honestly think just Georgia just ra- runs out Florida. The tackling has not been there, and it's shown. Um, I just don't think. Florida's defense is capable of handling a running attack that Georgia has, and especially with the talent at wide receiver um, and Brock Bowers at tight end, it's 
it's just too much for a very, very poor defense. And I don't think the offense can respond to such a tough defense as well. AR is going to get pressured. He's going to get, you know, rushed and he's going to be uncomfortable and he doesn't do well in any of those situations. What has to like, honestly, for Florida, everything has to go right for them and everything has to go wrong for Georgia. And that's very unlikely to happen. I just think Georgia is clearly the better team and they'll win this one handedly. I'll go 37 to 17 Bulldogs as much as I hate to say it. Well, see, I mean, the thing that I've been leaning towards with this is Florida's offense has done quite well all year long. And they've done, you know, uh, Anthony Richardson is like, I think he's the best in either the SEC or might even be one of the best in power five quarterbacks in play action passes, like his, uh, pro football focus grade and um you know the running attack is very strong um it's really the def- the, the defense is the weakness and i really think that georgia will score I just think that Florida will be able to score as well. I'm not thinking that Florida is going to win, but I think it's going to be closer than people are saying. Like, I got 22 point favorite. Like, I don't think that. There's no way. Like, Florida's three losses right now are against three teams in the top 18 of all teams, and that with the those three teams have a combined four losses, and um. You know, they lost basically the Kentucky game by one score, basic kind of. I I, I can't say kind of. It was a two-score game. Um, The LSU game, um, you know, could have been a one-score game, and then they that interception was kind of there. And then the the Tennessee game was a one-score game. So they were close in all three of those games, and those are really good opponents. There's no denying that all three of those teams are some of the best teams in not only in the conference, but in the country right now. And um, I think Florida is capable of keeping in this game because of their offense. And I know that you questioned AR's ability to, um, to play against Georgia. And last year was, you know, didn't look good for him. It obviously fell apart right before that, uh, before halftime last year. But this is, I don't know. I just like Anthony in this game. I think he's going to be loose. He looked great on that run against LSU. Like that was probably the best he's looked running wise all year. And he looked amazing on it. I think he's going to be able to run on Georgia a little bit. I think the running attack is going to be there. I think if they can do more four wide sets with four wide receivers, they have a chance of throwing on them, which I don't think Georgia has the best DB situation. So that might be where they can take advantage of them. So uh, if they can, you know, put the pressure on Georgia to perform on offense, then potentially, because what the defense does well, if they do anything well, which is just one thing, is that they cause turnovers, which they do more so than years past, because it seemed like the last couple of years, 
Florida's defense wasn't causing turnovers, but this defense definitely does cause turnovers. And that could be a difference in itself. I don't think Stetson Bennett is that great of a quarterback. I never thought he was. He's a, a walk-on. He's short. Um, he doesn't have the best arm. Um, their offense is good besides that. Like, their offensive line is great. Their running backs are very good. Their wide receivers are good, not great. And their tight ends are very, very good. Probably the best, like, tight end room in the last several years in the country. Um I just think that if Florida can move the ball, which I think they can, they can put pressure on Georgia and it puts game pressure to force them into mistakes that they normally wouldn't do. But I still think Georgia wins. I'm going with 30 to 28. Okay, moving on. Oklahoma State, Kansas State. I This one's kind of tough because if, if Martinez is not playing, it's – hard to gauge like i don't know what what are you thinking in this game i don't even know what to really like give a prediction on here um i'd say martinez starting or not oklahoma state's the most complete team and if he was starting i think kansas state would stay stay closer but i'm gonna take uh the cowboys in this one i think they'll win i'm gonna go with 35 to 20 for them yeah i'm just gonna go with and I feel the same way that, you know, Oklahoma State is very, very good. And I'm going to say they win 41-28. Okay, Oregon Cal. I'm just only putting in this here just because now Oregon is getting in the conversation of not only Pac-12, but potentially playoff teams as well. Um, what are your thoughts? Let's see. What, what do you think in this game or Oregon Cal? I think Oregon, you know, I actually think Cal's offense has been a bit under the radar. Uh, but I think they will uh, come out uh, firing, but I think Oregon just has the better talent and they'll run away with it. I'm going to go with the Ducks. I'll go 41 to 24. Yeah, I'm going with um, Oregon winning 32-20. I think it'll probably be closer, probably a letdown after that UCLA game, um, but still they'll get the win. Okay. We got to start talking about these guys more because their Wake Forest is in the top ten right now. Um, Wake Forest, Louisville. Uh, I'm going to go with Wake Forest winning. I'm going to say forty-five to twenty-seven. What do you got, Ian? I think both of these are very even, and even I think defensively they're very even. So I just think it comes down to offense. Who has a better offense? That's clear with Sam Hartman, a quarterback, um, and especially the receiving core that Wake Forest has. I'm going to take Wake winning this one. I think it's going to be close, um, but I'll take uh, the Deacons winning um, 34 to 29. Oh, close one. Yeah, I I don't know. I just think Wake Forest is just going to put up a lot of points, and I'm, I got them 45 to 27. I just think Sam Hartman is amazing. Like he, he's he is mastered that offense. Like he is like a maestro back there. The way he does that, like you know the the fake handoff pause, like it's it draws that it draws the safety so well. It's like it's kind of like a like a a work of art, really. Uh, what he does. Okay, 
Uh, this game could have been bigger if UCF could have won last week, but they shit the bed against East Carolina. Uh, Cincinnati, UCF. I'm going to say Cincinnati wins. It's going to be close. I'm going to say Cincinnati wins like 27 to like 23. What do you got, Ian? Um, Technically, I guess this would be my upset pick. I think UCF, because they're the mo- more balanced. Yeah. And you Cincinnati has had to kind of rely on the pass so much. But I think with UCF being as balanced as they are offensively to keep Cincy on their toes, and I think UCF pulls it out, I'm going to go with a very close one because I think these teams are very even. I'm going to go 28 to 24 for the Knights. Okay, next one is Missouri, South Carolina, just because we got to talk about them for uh, the fact that they're now ranked in five and two. Um, I'm going to say this game could be close because Missouri's defense plays pretty well and they played Georgia well and they played Florida well. Um, I'm going to say South Carolina wins. I'm going to say like, 24 to like 21. What do you got, Ian? I, I agree. I think these teams, again, it's another even. Um, but I, I'm going to take South Carolina in this one. Um, I think Missouri's defense is going to cause some headaches. But I think, again, I'll, I'll take the Gamecocks pointed out. I'll go with a bit of a lower score in one. I'm going to go with a 22 to 17 win for South Carolina. Okay, uh, a big game could be potentially huge if Kentucky pulls the upset, but Kentucky, Tennessee in Knoxville. Um, what are your thoughts, Ian? So with this one, I, I ten, Kentucky has a very solid defense, but we saw against a very similar kind of play calling style of Ole Miss is that if you can, you know, you can beat this team, and that, and again, similar when you have a mobile quarterback like Spencer Rattler was when South Carolina beat, you know, upset Kentucky. So I just think that's a bad combination for uh, the Wildcats. So I'm going to take Tennessee winning this one. Um, I don't really see them. They might get stuck in the mud early, but I think they find a way to figure it out. And I just think if worse comes worse, worse, Hendon Hooker makes plays. I'm going to go 30 to 15, Tennessee. Hey, 34-15, Tennessee. Yeah, I'm not too far off from that. I got 38-22. I just think Tennessee's offense is going to be able to score, and I don't think Kentucky's offense is that great, regardless of how bad I think Tennessee's defense is. And the only way Kentucky wins this game is if they get into a shootout, but Kentucky's team is not meant – is not built to be in a shootout. They're meant to be in like a – a 24-20 game, and that's not what this is going to be. No matter how well Kentucky plays, they will not get that score. I There's there's not a doubt in my mind that Tennessee scores more than 30 points in this game, which, you know, that means that's a death nail for Kentucky. They cannot score 30 points against anybody. Okay, Michigan State. Michigan, I'm going to go with Michigan because Michigan State is just kind of poopy. They're just a team that just is not very good. I'm going to say Michigan wins like 
34 to like 17. What do you got, Ian? Um, I'm right there, almost exact same score. I got 35 14. Um, Michigan, I just think they run all over them. Their Michigan State's defense has been not the best against the run, and that's disaster when you're playing Michigan. So I'm going to take the Wolverines 35 14. Okay, last one. Ole Miss, Texas A&M. Um, I'm going to do this one, and then then I'll let you go. But uh, I'm going to say Ole Miss rebounds. I'm going to say Ole Miss wins, like probably thirty-eight to. I'm going to say twenty-four because seems like Texas A&M is always scoring around twenty-four points. Seems like what just what they're used to. So what do you, what do you got, Ian? Uh, I, I agree. I just think Ole Miss, you know, their offense is more complete, obviously. Um, I think the defense for the A&M can, you know, maybe throw some wrenches in there. But I think Ole Miss rebounds. I'll go with a 28-16 win for the Rebels. Yeah, you actually think the Rebels are going to hold them to 16 points? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So that is the show, everyone. Um, You can reach us at haterradio.com for all of our articles, which will include Ian's article on the Florida Georgia game should be out sometime Wednesday, Thursday ish. And then um, you can read the other articles up there if you want. Also uh, reach us at at hater underscore radio for both Insta and Twitter. And also reach us the old-fashioned way at e- uh, at our email, which is haterradio1 at gmail.com. And then, Ian, what are your socials? Uh, yeah, uh, Instagram, G, double underscore Gator, double underscore G, and YouTube, G, Gator, G. All right, that's it, everybody. Uh, enjoy these games, and I wish Florida, Georgia was better because it's usually my favorite game, but uh, it is what it is. Hopefully, this is the last time that – Florida is in the doldrums like they are and, you know, with recruiting, hopefully being better in the next couple of years, it'll, you know, put them into the the position to compete with Georgia, but this year it's not going to be so, but that's it, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.